Creativity Podcast. My name is Terry Burden, and I am here as a sometime co-host. I always enjoy very much being here with my dear friends, Dylan Maziotti. Hello. The founder and creator yep. of this podcast. And today, on the anniversaire, as the French would say, of the 100th episode of the Your Creativity Podcast. First of all, very exciting in and of itself and doubly exciting because today our guest is also our co-host, Stephen Hatch of Hatch whoop, Family whoop. Chocolates. We're not, we're not making it to 101. <laughs> this is it. We're going to explode. No, 101's already in the can. That's, that's Sasha's episode. Dang it. <laughs> Dang it. We, we may not make it to 102 then. Steve, you came in at episode four. Can you believe that? Really? Do you remember who it was? Um, well, I remember we met um, the Adam and Eve guys. I remember we met um, Tui, Watchtower. Who was our first one? Who was uh, first one, me and you together, were uh, Darren Tufts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thermwise and filmmaker and marketer, Darren Tufts. <laughs> that, that was forever ago. 27 years ago. Podcast number four. Yeah, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it was, that was released crazy. July 18th of 2016. So this Saturday will mark. Wow. Four, four years. Four wow. years for that episode. You've put up with me that long? I have. And longer? <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's crazy. We've met some pretty cool people. We have some amazing people, inclu- including Terry. Oh, you guys. Uh, it's been such a joy to to get to know you guys, to get to hang out. Um, you know, I feel like uh, I have the fortunate... Uh, I, I'm like the guy who has front row seats at the baseball game. And the manager comes out of the dugout and goes, "Hey, Burden, we need you. You want to go bat? You want to? You want to? You want to get in there and take a few pitches?" Like I, I just kind of got lucky to get to jump out of the the best seat in the house to hang out and chat with you guys, and it's been so much fun. And uh, as with any great podcast. Uh, the warm feeling. Did he just say great? Because, like, I mean, we're probably, like, average. Subpar, <laughs> like, average. It's a- cut, cut. Okay, we got to redo that. We gotta, now we got to re-record it, Steve. <laughs> nope, it's staying in. As the editor, it's staying in. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. So you are our guest today. I know. So how do you feel and, about that? So does Dylan have, like, 50 questions ready? No, just the eight. He has paper. <laughs> he has. I know he has questions written down. Well, I mean, I'll answer whatever you want to know, Dylan. Alrighty. You, you just. So from Corey's episode, Corey Clausen, uh, Evermore sculpture, sculpturist, whatever the right word for that is, you you grew up in American Fork. Tell us. About, I did. Gr- tell us about growing up down there. Um, see, I've done a lot of therapy to block it out. So oh, you, okay. No, I'm. <laughs> No, American Fork was good. I yeah, I grew up down there. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of my life down there. Um, 
I don't know what you want to know. I um honestly, I growing up, I was just like anybody else. You know, I p- played baseball. I um as as I was getting older, um, I actually had a lot of surgeries, and so I I had you know dozens and dozens of surgeries. So a lot of school, I remember just being on a on like a wheelchair that was laying down as a bed, and that's how I went to school a lot. So, um, so there's some things in high school I totally don't remember, and I and I think it's because I was just trying to learn how to walk again, yeah. as, as opposed to what classes I had. Um, but no, American Fork was really good, and it, it's interesting. A lot of the people I was really close with, I think, I am so different with now. And then there's a lot of people that I didn't get to know in high school, and I think this is for everybody, not just me. But you have so much more in common with them, and you just didn't even realize that in high school. You were kind of at, at, into your own world. But I've noticed that as I've and gotten it's older. And ch- it's a challenge. Just It's like everybody that you're talking about, yourself included, had tiny little brains. Because when we're right. in, like, eighth grade, I mean, it's like five minutes before that. You were pooping in your pants. I mean, yeah. the change happens so fast in those years. And I know exactly what you mean. I have that experience, too, with friends now that I feel such a close bond with that I, it's not that I you know, thought they were dumb or anything. I just didn't know them. And it's, it's almost happenstance or... or luck of the environment that that you didn't get close with them because you didn't. And, and you also have friends that you haven't seen in like 15 years but as soon as you see them you start off right where you were and it's like no time has passed away at all like uh, i have a lot of that as well i had that experience this past week with my dear friend jim reese who i was in theater with in high school and definitely one of the top five funniest people i've ever known yeah. and uh jim went in the army in the 90s and literally became a killer (laughs) and has lived in london for maybe 25 years you should probably stay on good sides with him if he's a killer still the thing is make sure you're still on good terms i have i I have dirt so i can't be on his bad side lucky for him i love him (laughs) and i'm gonna send him the link to this podcast and he will roar start laughing now jim (laughs) i'm listening but we chatted by phone or by uh no i guess we did by phone i tried to call him on facebook messenger phone which i love that's a whole nother podcast but we're the same dumb kids that we were when we were 17 doing Thieves Carnival uh, in the Clinton High School uh, Vernon C. Cook Little Theater and the theater program. And like you say, we're exactly the same. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Jim because he's such a, he's a beautiful human being and uh, a hilarious guy. And, I, and it's obviously it means the world to me to still be friends with him. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a lot of those. I like I you know, I have I have a ton of friends that you know, and I think back just to how amazing they were to me. But I've been pretty fortunate. Like keep knocking on wood. I'm not dead yet, so you know, I may have more friends to come. But growing up in American Fork was great. I I remember um like I played little league baseball and what was funny is 
I was afraid of the ball. And I remember, you know, the first few years I was like the right fielder. And then I, <laughs> and then I wanted to be the shortstop. And I'm like, <laughs> it's like, it's, I'm sure the coach is like, the only person that wants to be the shortstop is the little dwarf. <laughs> and so, like, you know. They, the jokes they, just write themselves. I know. They, <laughs> so that. And then I remember, like, you know, later on, our coach was a woman. And um, it, we actually had two women that were our coaches in, in Little League. And looking back, I think how amazing was that to have that as an experience? And I didn't think anything of it as a kid. Um, but how empowering to just know that these women, I mean, these was yeah. in the seventies and so in the seventies and eighties and, um, just looking back and, and realizing how powerful these women were in my life. Um, and they kind of created who I am today. And so, yeah, I, I had some amazing times growing up in America. I Beverly Wood and Renee Ogden, they were actually my, my coaches. And then, and then there was some Loveless. Coach Loveless was the one who made me the shortstop. So, I mean, yeah. Love I, full. <laughs> full right? of love. <laughs> he was totally full of love. I went to school with Nancy full of love. That was her actual name. Dude, that would be a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Here's a question for you. Yeah, As bring regards uh, American Fork, and it's more generally a question about childhood, but... Um, how aware were you of the larger world outside of your little bubble? And my, you know, my context for this is that like, I got turned on to Elton John when I was a little kid because my brother, who was much older than me, was crazy about Elton John. And so you know, I, like, I listen to all these, you know, Captain Fantastic and the Broad Cowboy, all these amazing records, Saturday, Saturday, but it never occurred to me that like that was a real person who like I could grow up and be Elton John like it just never occurred to me because I was in such a little bubble in my small kind of farm town in Iowa how aware were you of the larger world outside of of American Fork and and the Salt Lake Valley and well I I, my I had a unique childhood um so I I had a, a brother and a sister growing up and um and my my birth mother, um, and actually, when I was two and a half, my my birth mother, we were all in a car, and um, she ran a stoplight and um, or a stop sign, and she was killed. So you know, I don't remember my birth mother. I was like two and a half, um, and then I I I remember my dad hired this woman to kind of take care of us, and so he would go to work, and then I just remember. Um, Mrs. Woodcox, or grandma, we called her Grandma Woodcox, was kind of the lady that she, not even related to us at all, but she took care of me and my brother and my sister, and um, that was just normal to me. And, you know, yeah. I remember later on, my, my dad remarried um, to, to Beth, um, who, uh, she's my mom, that, that's who I call my mom. And I, I was about five, and it, so there was a family of three thrown in with a family of seven, and then they ended up having one more. So we became a family of 11. And I, I remember, you know, Beth is amazing. And um, wow. my, my mom, she, she treated me just like any other kid. Um, like I remember having to do my chores, having to do everything. Um, but I, yeah, I just remember being in the middle of, of everything. So music-wise, I was pretty lucky because Scott was my oldest brother. And, you know, he was into Elton John. He was into, oh, yeah. like, all these uh, amazing musicians. And um, so I, I learned about them. 
And, you know, as I got older, my experiences were a lot different than most people in American Fork. I mean, first off, I had that. So I had like two moms, not just one, Um, you know, and I didn't people would talk about their mom and and I would just have this remembrance of not knowing anything about my mother. Um, But but I remember that. Um, I remember as I got older, I started to realize I was shorter um, than other people. Um, I remember kids calling me midget. and that, but I, it was it was weird because I noticed that in like first grade. So up until then, I didn't even really realize I was a little person or that I was going to be any different than anybody else. Was that painful uh, for you? Um, yeah, like I remember just thinking, "What the hell? Why are they like you know making fun of me?" And I remember my Beth, like my mom. Sorry, I'm going to refer to my mom now as Beth, but <laughs> so because um, she is. So my mom and and my dad sat me down and they they. They said, well, Steve, you are little, um, so deal with it. And, and that, that was kind of the attitude was, you know, just embrace it, and it is who you are. And I can sit there and I can cry all day long, but it's not going to change anything. So, you know, it's, it's – you, and, the, and they said, you are little. What's wrong with that? You know, what's wrong with being little? And that's, that's kind of how they raised me um, is just that – you know, I was just the same. And I remember the kids from my class were actually, like, maybe at first they knew I was little, but after that I was just Steve. And um, they kind of looked out for me. So it would be the younger kids in school um, that would come in and they would make the, the, the jokes. But I remember, um, you know, it, I had never really met another little person. And so it was about 10 or 11, I remember meeting my first other little person. And I just remember being tripped out and just thinking, wow, that dude's way short. But not even making the connection <laughs> that I was a little person as well. Um, so I remember that. And I, I remember this whole new world opened up. And um, there was a group called Little People of America. And they, it, it, they have these conventions. And it's where, you know, in all these different cities. And the one I went to was in Reno, the first one. And it was probably in, like, 1982, 1984, right around then. Um, But I went to this little people convention, and I remember um, just looking at um, all these other little people that were my age, and I just remember thinking, I could take them. I, you know, I, like, I could totally take that kid. And so, like, I, you know, so, like, I just had, like, this bully mentality. Um, But I just remember that. and I met, you know, some amazing people. We played baseball. And I remember playing baseball and just, I was a shitty baseball player. But I remember loving it. And and then at that time, I actually met a doctor who became really important in my life. And his name was Dr. Kopitz. Um, he was from Hungary. And um, he actually spent his whole life um, towards the end um, working with just little people. And, you know, at this time... I was having a lot of pain, like walking. And so just walking a block, I, I couldn't do. And I was really sore. And my legs were bowed. My back was kind of crooked. I had scoliosis. And I remember meeting Dr. Kopitz. And at this time, um, you know, he told me I needed to do all these surgeries. If I ever wanted to be able to, to walk, you know, long term, I my type of dwarfism, um, I was born basically without hip sockets. My bones... They weren't bones. It was just kind of, you know, bone against bone, and um, wow. I, I didn't have a hip socket. 
So Dr. Kopitz, starting in ninth grade, I had surgeries. And I remember, sorry, I'm totally boring people, but no. I remember um, my family didn't have money. So we drove to Baltimore. And we, so we drove an, a 1984 Volvo, a, you know, 2,000 miles to, without air conditioning to Baltimore to have a surgery. And I, I remember having, um, they were really intensive surgeries. So th- I ended up having um, a knee surgery done. And just from what I hear, it was pretty incredible. He, he would take 12 hours um, in the surgery. So he would actually even catheter himself so that he wouldn't have to take bathroom no, breaks. Crazy. Wow. Um, so they did a 12-hour surgery, and I remember waking up, and I was in a body cast. Um, so I couldn't sit up, and I, it was a body cast from my belly button all the way down. And um, I, two weeks later, they did my other hip. Two weeks later, they did my right knee. Two weeks later, they did my left knee. Two oh, weeks man, later, they like did my ankles. So I was in the hospital about two months in Baltimore, and it was a, ch- a children's hospital. So this was when everybody's having their fun in the summer. I was having these surgeries. And, and you had these surgeries back to back to back. Yeah. And, um, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm laughing a little bit. But I'm like, man. No, so what would you do for your summer break? I got my ass kicked. Like, all <laughs> so summer. they were, like, pretty painful. Um, oh, yeah, they man, were, like, I'm way sure. painful. But I remember coming home, and I was in a body cast. So I had a ride in the Volvo back to Utah, oh. laying on the back seat. Um, they made a bed. So I remember just riding all across country on this stupid foam mattress um, back to American Fork. And then I, you know, a lot of little people that had these surgeries, their parents would just tire them a tutor. They wouldn't go to school. But not me. My mom, so my mom, um, I just remember they made me go to school. And I, I was on this, this uh, wheelchair that laid down flat. And I went to class. And um, I, was, I did that for about two months while I was recovering from the surgeries. And then after that, I had to go back to Baltimore to get the cast off. Um, and I remember even that, getting the cast off. And I remember, like, just the sheet hurt me. Um, like it, it was just a lot of pain. Like um, so I, I remember they had to teach me how to walk. They had to teach me how to do everything. And I remember learning how to walk in a pool. But at this time, I think part of my experiences were my doctor was Catholic. The hospital that I went back to and returned to now was a Catholic hospital. And so like, you know, growing up in American Fork, I had no other friends that really were different religions. I remember becoming friends with the nuns at the hospital. I even had the nuns still me scrubs. And <laughs> so, I mean, but I, I had all this. My, my, one of my physical therapists was Jewish. And so it was like my first contact with somebody that was a Jew. Um, and I had all these different experiences. But anyways, I had to learn how to walk. And um, I, it didn't work. Like, so after, you know, six months of recovery, but long story short, it didn't work. Um, and I had to go back and start over again. So I had to do my right hip, my left hip, and then my right knee and left knee. Um, so I had to do a second s- round of surgery, second round of surgeries. Wow. And then I had to go back to learn how to walk again, be in the cast and then go back. And I remember at this time, my parents had taken off all their time, you know, of like leave from work. So it was me in the hospital. And I remember just being about 16, 17 in a hospital in Baltimore and, um, I was in the middle of therapy, and Dr. Kopitz just 
came and he started to cry. And he's like, Steve, your surgery didn't work again. So we have to do it. And like, so my doctor was crying. And I just remember thinking, man, fuck, I'm never going to walk <laughs> again. Like, and so that's what I was like 16, 17, um, you know, like a sophomore. And those were the thoughts that were in my head. And I ended up, we rescheduled the surgery. I had to go back to the surgery, um, 12 hour surgeries, then go home, be in the cast again, learn how to walk again. And I remember like at this point, it just looked like everything was gonna turn bad again. And I remember my therapy after I got my cast off this time, I returned back to American Fork. And this is why basketball is huge to me. So my therapy was learning how to walk again and I had crutches and I, I my basketball team, the coach really liked me. And so they started to let me hang in the basketball courts. And I would just start to learn how to walk. And I would walk like, you know, four feet at a time, five feet at a time. Wow. And then pretty soon I was walking the length of the basketball court and I was just dribbling a basketball. So I, that's all I was focusing on is to learn how to walk. Um, but I made, I became close friends with the basketball team. And um, I bet them that if they went to the state tournament, I would learn how to walk. And I was just blowing smoke because who knows, you know, I didn't know that I would walk. Um, but they ended up going to the state tournament. So I was like, fuck again. <laughs> so I, um, you know, I, I learned how to walk. So long story short, I, you know, I did learn how to walk. Um, and this time, you know, the, the surgery did take. Um, and, and I remember a lot of that. But I, I remember, you know, after, right after high school, after I graduated, um, yeah, get, getting more surgeries, having pins taken out, having all kinds of stuff. But that was kind of my childhood. So when you're talking about, like, what really influenced me, you know, at the hospital that I was at, one of the volunteers was a gay man. And um, he would draw pictures. And he would come and volunteer at the hospital once a week. And he would make these amazing drawings and do all these different things. And when I went back, he wasn't there. And it turned out he had AIDS and he, wow. he passed away. So this was like in the early 80s. And it was like my first contact with anybody with AIDS. Yeah. Um, so looking back, you know, I was exposed to so many different amazing things that most of my friends in American Fork were never exposed to. And I think it did create who I am and, you know, kind of the backgrounds and the beliefs that I have now. All of that experience created me. Yeah, it, it, it occurs to me that, and, and of course, like I say, I, I'm coming at it from remembering what it was like for me to be in a small town and you know, kind of look at the world outside but still be, um, yeah, in, right? I mean, as a kid, you're in your own world to a certain extent. But the fact that these challenges that you have faced and overcome in your lifetime could have been uh, isolating and uh, self-focusing, and yet the things that you talk about in reference to that time of your life are very, seems to me to be very aware observations that, you know, the, the Catholic nuns <laughs> and all that stuff that, right, it's so different from Utah, from American Fork, and... Were you, here's the follow-on question. I mean, as long as I've known you, I, I find you to be uh, uh, so much fun and joyful to be around. 
and inspiring in the sense that uh, it, all I have to do is think Steve Hatch and I, uh, you know, if I'm in a bad mood, I'm uh, at least I'm going to be like, well, yeah, I'm in a bad mood, but fucking Steve rocks like that dude's awesome. You know, it's like you yeah, are oh such gosh. an inspiration to yeah, people. But I have Just so many bad days, too. Sure, sure you do. But but you carry an energy toward the universe uh, that is so beautifully positive. Were you always like, I mean, is this your inherent personality or did your challenges contribute to uh, creating your view of the world and your view of yourself or how did that work? You know, it's probably all of it. It's, I, I think a lot of it was my, my parents and, and how they raised me. Um, and they raised me to, you know, you could sit there and, and bitch about everything or you can just get up and move and you know you can't you can't change who you are i can't just magically wave a wand and all of my problems disappear but you can change how you address them and how mm. how you mm -hmm. facilitate them i was really fortunate and i remember um like i did a mormon mission after i did that i came back to uvu and i became student body president and uh, you know oh, i didn't I, know that so i did that and i remember thinking i was so amazing and i was so incredible and um, <laughs> but i started looking around and i started realizing that what an asshole like I, you know i started to realize that what was so good about me like i'm just as good as anyone else and 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 what i mean by that is that we're all pretty amazing um right after that um <coughs> the, actually the president at the college at the time was president romsberg and he he grew up in Arizona, and he was a he was a juvenile delinquent. He would tell you this, but he he was a juvenile delinquent, and he would just hang around the wrong crowds. And it somehow one of his high school teachers talked him into taking the SATs, and so he took him, and he was a math genius, and so he got a full ride scholarship. Wow. He ended up you know becoming the commissioner of higher ed, higher ed in Alaska. He he became the the president at UVU. Um, I became really enthralled with him and, you know, what he did. And when I was student body president, he was so stuck on making sure that anybody that wanted to go to college could go. It didn't matter their ACT scores. And at the time, UVU was really amazing. Like, their trades program was just as important as their um, ethics and values program or their English program. All of them coexisted and there was like this world where all of us were just as important so I kind of was exposed to that immediately after that I went to the U for a year where I took a class with Ted Wilson and Ted Wilson I remember him he was the mayor of Salt Lake at one point and he talked about that he never realized how important garbage men were until he became the mayor and they went on strike and so <laughs> so like they had all this garbage and I think I kind of put all of that together. I interned at the governor's office, and I, I, I met all these amazing politicians, and I started to realize that we all had a role, and we all had purpose, and there is importance in all of us. And I think, even looking back, that kind of created who I am now. Um, you know, but I started to change my attitude then, and, and I think I started to realize that we were all important, and we all had different roles. Um, yeah, and I think that kind of impacted us. I'm totally boring you. No, but not at all, dude. Absolutely the opposite. At this time, you know, is when I, I, I was trying to figure out what the hell is next for me. I, I met Katie um, Masterson. She lived in Chicago, 
And, um, you know, I was in love. Like, I, she was an amazing person. And I remember Katie had the stream of opening, like, a Brewies, but with, with desserts. And she wanted to, to open a movie theater and do really fancy desserts. Well, at the time, I was still at UVU, um, and I became friends with Dick Losey. And Dick Losey was, you know, an amazing alumnus of the college. He, the library is named after him. But I remember becoming really close friends with him. And I would sit at his house. Um, at, at the time when the Osmonds were big, Dick Losey <laughs> was the one that had the studio for them. So he worked with the Osmonds, nice. and he brought in all these people, wow. and he was a showsman. So I, I sat and I would talk with him for hours and he would tell me about like all of his experiences and, you know, his wealth and going up. And he talked about that, it, you know, really, it's just fluid. And he talked about how important it is to figure out your own self, what you really want in life and what you want to go for. And he's like, you should never let anybody give it to you. You need to take it like you need to earn it like you need to work. Basically, you just need to earn it is, is what I got from him. And um. So I remember thinking, oh, I, I want to open up a movie theater someday with Kate. That sounds really cool. And, um, you know, I lived with Kate for a year, and then I ended up coming back to Utah, and um, I was like, what the hell are we going to do with our lives? And so Kate and I, her family ran restaurants in Chicago, and her and I were trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And at the time, my dad had been selling chocolates at boutiques, and it was just a side job, just a hobby. And um, Katie started working with him and learning how to make the chocolates and doing all that. And I remember we took a class as, at the Small Business Development Centers um, with Mike Morey. He was our teacher. And at this, Kate and I started business classes on how to start a business. And, you know, all of these things just happened. 2003, we found a location. We opened up a shop. And, uh, yeah, now it's 2020, and we're still in business. And, you know, we've... We've gone through highs and lows. And I think that all those experiences when I was growing up taught me that our chocolate shop's pretty important. And it's important because everything has importance in life. And there's no job that's bigger than any other job. And they're just kind of all purposes. So I think what we try to bring to you is we actually try to create an atmosphere for you to come and forget all the shit going on in the world and for you just to sit and eat some amazing piece of chocolates um, in the summer doing the outdoor movies. So that's what we try to create. And, and we've you know, almost lost everything. We've almost gone under. And the only thing that you know, I think that kept me going was a lot of my past and just you know, knowing to keep moving forward, man. And it, like, you just keep moving. Right now it's so weird because we don't let people into our shop and everybody's freaking out about COVID and, and all the things that's going on. And I just kind of think, man, I've been through so much worse that this is nothing. Um, but I think there's importance for places like us, for places like live music in the world, for yeah. places like theater, for you know things like that, that, that we're kind of on pause right now. But I think that we will come back to that. And there's real value in that. Otherwise, what's society? I mean, if society is just to exist to never be around anybody, you know, that's not society. And society is like all these other things that make life colorful. Yeah. All the all the the nuns in the hospitals, yeah. all the different <laughs> people. I mean, that's what makes life amazing. So. No. Did I blow your mind? You Dylan? did. Yeah. It's beautiful. Man. It, yeah. Lots of beautiful stuff there. Truly. Lots of 
great stuff that shaped you. Um, you you were just talking about the shop and um, at the old shop, you um, TLC TV show um, that ran a year. What was going to that experience a little bit and what um, how people are seeing it now and reaching out to you? Um, yeah, well, it was about two thousand eight, two thousand and nine. I can't remember exactly the year, but um, some producers came to us and they wanted to do a TV show. At the time, Little People, Big World was popular, and it still is, and The Cake Boss. And so this producer just said, well, let's combine the two, Little People and Chocolate. And um, so they, yeah, they started a show. And I I remember we didn't want to do it at first, and we told them no. We told them no a couple times. And then we finally decided that it would be good for other little people who are maybe trying to figure out what they wanted to do in life, um, for them to see that they could do whatever the hell they wanted to do in life. Yeah, what was your rationale for that was uh, the, biggest the nose? No, for the nose, initially, when you um, said no. The, 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 you know, I, we already get the people that just come check out the two little people that run a chocolate shop. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I think the nose were that, like just exploiting and uh, yeah. So it was more, those were where the nose came from. Yeah. And um, we, we kind of figured that whether we did a show or not, people are still going to come for that. And, and I can't change that. It is what it is. But yeah. if our chocolate's pretty, if our chocolate's shit, they're, <laughs> yeah, n- they're right. not going to come back. And if they keep coming and paying me money to buy my chocolate, I don't care. So like, so like, so I mean, I think yeah, that's, that that's kind of like evolved. Um, and the reality is we're all like curious beings too. And so I think some of it is just innocent. They, they just see two little people. I mean, it, right now everybody's talking about the black lives and about this. And I think that growing up in American Fork where you maybe had 10 little or 10 black people. I mean, the unknown is so scary to some people. And yeah. I think that the same could be said for little people or, or anybody of, of difference. And I, and I think that that doesn't mean mean it's innocent and it doesn't mean that it's yeah. it, it's bad it's just i think that yeah the unknown is always scary to people and and, and that was kind of our nose we didn't want to be exploited yeah. but the positives of that were you know just whatever little person that may see that and and realize that they could open up their own restaurant or they could do this yeah absolutely. i think far outweighed any of the nose and so that's that's what did it that's cool but but as we did the show, I mean, we tried to remain level-headed. Um, we actually, I think I Googled myself really the first week or two. Yeah. And then I was, there would be a thousand really positive things. And I still just remember the negative things. And um, I remember, like, talking with Apollo Ono. He was one of our customers. And I was like, do you ever Google yourself? And I knew that he had wiped out. Um, and that he, everybody gave him shit, you know, when he wiped out in the speed skating. Right. And he laughed at me and he said, "Steve, quit googling yourself." <laughs> and and he and and I don't think if anybody else had said it, I would have listened to them. But I knew he had a leg to stand on, and I knew, so I took it. And I I haven't really googled since then. Um, but it was just funny. But yeah. One of the things at that time that cracked me up is uh, TMZ. When TMZ saw Katie get the bear. At the Chris Isaac concert. Yeah. yeah. 
it was <laughs> they made it such a big thing. It was yeah. It was just Katie strange. had a beer. At a so, what? <laughs> at a concert. Someone in America has had beer. <laughs> yeah. Her name is Katie. That was funny. So yeah. Well at least it was Chris Isaac. I mean, he's cool. He's awesome. I love Chris Isaac. I he was too. incredible. But I mean we've met some amazing people like yeah. for the show. So I think you can look at life and just look at all the negatives or you can also just like be open minded and just see what comes. We we did try to remain level headed that we're not better than anybody else and we're everybody has value. And I think that that was really important to do. And the fact that you went into a thing such as having a TV show, which is like, that's a big deal, right? You're on cable. That's, that's a big, that's amazing. Yeah. But, but we got to create really amazing things that we don't always create, you know, these huge chocolate builds and, um, it was really fun. So yeah, we met some amazing people. We, and we still do. I mean, there's still people that come in now that have seen it in New Zealand or yeah, Japan. Yeah, popping up in New Zealand, yeah. And, right. and um, th- that just blows my mind. But well, I always try to remind them. Some amazing people got to meet you. Sure, but it's amazing I got to meet them. I mean, yeah. so in some ways, <laughs> I think that we all have incredible stories, and it's just trying to listen to what those stories are. For sure. Aside from Who would have known I'm this serious, Dylan? Did you? I did, yeah. All right. I've seen your serious side time to time. On top of TV, you've also done some films. Yes. <laughs> Tell us about Trolls 2. I don't... You don't remember no. a lot of it? <laughs> <laughs> the thing I remember about Trolls 2, I was 19, <laughs> and I remember Connie McFarlane was very cute. And 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 caught, she was the main kid in the movie. Yeah. And then she was like, "Steve, you need. They're looking for little people. Come be on the show." And so that's why I did it. Was for Connie. <laughs> and um, yeah, I. It was just kind of like a clusterfuck. Yeah, I it's think. very strange. For, actually, what was interesting is, um, you know, a lot of the actors didn't talk with the extras, but I was friends with her, so I don't remember a lot of talking with other people. I just remember yeah. hanging with Connie. And, um, you know, there were other people like the Gibbs um, that I remember seeing and, and different people. But, yeah, I was 19, and she was really cute. So, like, I just was totally <laughs> like, man, she's amazing. I'll be her friend. So, like, in my mind, that's what I totally remember. I remember I got, had my wisdom teeth out one day before a shoot. And so the next day they, they bought me a shake on set, but that's <laughs> that's honestly about it. And then I just thought that movie had died and, until it became popular again. That's a cult classic out there. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we've been extras for other things. We were extras in The Lone Ranger. We, we were able to meet Army Hammer and Johnny Depp. Um, and those were pretty cool. Actually, what was cool to me is Army Hammer and his wife run a bakery in San Antonio. So to me, that was kind of cool and starting to talk like trade and starting to talk about like different That's places. Awesome. So that oh, was kind of cool. cool. As an extra in A Million Ways to Die in the West with Seth MacFarlane. So we, we were able to meet him. He's I love him. He's, He's like a genius. But I love like He's pretty he knows funny. Talent. He's way funny. He's really funny. And, and I think I relate a lot to his humor because I'm very snarky and I'm very sarcastic 
and um, <laughs> I love his humor. So like, and I think it's dark for a lot of people, but I really like his stuff. So that was fun. I, I love the Orville. Like, it's a, a perfect take on like Star Trek, and he, he he's great on it as the captain. He's just really, and he's a singer. He's an amazing singer. Do you know what's amazing though, Dylan? Okay, I will use the chocolate shop for this. Like, okay. whenever I meet those people, hell yeah, I'm giving them chocolate. Yeah. Because I want them to remember <laughs> me. So, like, so I will always use chocolate for things like that. Yeah. But, no, he's totally talented. All those guys are, though. Oh, what's incredible, too, though, is how much talent's in Utah. I mean, there's so much talent here. Oh, yeah. And, um, Honestly, we're, we're everybody is just one day from making it big. I mean, and it could happen tomorrow. It could happen like in the next hour. And I, life is just pretty cool. It is. What um, do you got next? Have I blown I up your questions? Um, who inspires you? Well, it sounds like a lot of people. You know, during yeah. that time at the hospital. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton. Um, I, I mean. Even lately, like Scott Anderson with Zion's Bank I is really amazing. You know, we almost went under like, like a few years ago um, at, at our shop. And I remember Zion's was the, the biggest, the bank that funded us. And um, I remember talking with Scott Anderson and other people that were, you know, underneath Scott. And, um, and a lot of people gave me shit. And they, they were just kind of like embarrassed that we were struggling and they were just you know, acting like we were nobodies and that, you know, you scum of the earth. And I remember um, not knowing if we would make it. Like, I, we were, you know, negative in our bank accounts and um, just not knowing if we were going to make it the next day. And I remember, you, Terry, you talked about me always being happy. There were days when, like, I would lay in bed and I still do sometimes, but I just was so freaked out to get out of bed because I didn't know if we were going to go be, face all the if stuff. we were going to go under. And like, you know, part of me wanted to check myself in a hospital, but I figured if I did, then we would definitely go under. So like I, I didn't know what to do. But I remember Scott was always just so positive. And I remember, you know, there are people in the state that I was in other programs and they were just like. You know, Steve, you're just embarrassing everybody. You're just this, and you should just close up and go bankrupt. And you should, everybody, any successful business person told me we should quit except him. And wow. and Scott just kept saying, Steve, you just wow. keep doing what you got to do, and, like, you just keep going. And um, that m taught me a lot. And I think it's the same advice that, that Dick Losey and all those other guys would have given me also is um, – kind of don't listen to the naysayers and don't listen to the people that are embarrassed by you but like your true friends are there for you no matter what and um scott taught me a lot he was just kind of like honestly the difference between success and failure it, it's it's like the tiniest little thing um and it, you know sometimes it's just a matter of not giving up even though you should and and that's what will equal success and so I do have a lot of mentors. Um, I love Paul, Paolo Coelho. I love his quotes. Mm. Um, you know, I love a lot of different people. But I have been really fortunate. I've met some amazing people. And, um, yeah, I, I have a ton of different advice. But I do go back to those days with, you know, with Ted Wilson and, and learning that 
garbage men are really important, but putting it in perspective, everybody really does have value. And I think it's just listening to that value and trying to hear what it is, which is why I love this podcast. And I've talked with you before about, I really would love to open up a podcast at our shop and just sit down five minutes with a stranger. And when you open back up, it's happening. But it's because that's what I love doing at our shop is everybody has some pretty amazing stories to tell and um, just listening to them or just getting into that. And you get those stories by being in a retail environment where anybody can walk through the door and and you have an entree to talk with them. It's why I love what I do. Honestly, everybody is pretty incredible. And um, I've been so blessed, like just meeting so many different people and just hearing their stories and hearing where they come from. And, And that's why I love what we all do here, like, you know, with the podcast. We do meet some incredible people, and we also are giving that experience to other people. Steve, I have to ask you this because, uh, first and foremost, uh, as I said earlier, I've always been so inspired by you, and um, I I have such a, a close observation of charismatic people. My dad was a very charismatic guy, and so I kind of got the idea of what that was, at home early in my life and and i've always sort of um uh i don't know examined what that thing is in real living people and and as i say you're certainly one of the most charismatic people that i've known in my time here in utah and uh your sincerity and your charisma are essential qualities of great public servants. Now, just because they're essential qualities doesn't mean that every public servant has <laughs> them. Some people get into positions without those qualities, but I'm, we're not here to talk about those people. My question specifically is, I'm sure that you've had conversations with people about running for office. I mean, when you talk about Ted Wilson, I'm the whole time I'm thinking about Mayor Steve. Mayor Steve. <laughs> and you have you have the heritage here in Utah uh straddling Utah County and Salt Lake. You've been a business owner here for many years. You as you said, you know many influential people. You have an unique perspective from your trials and travails in business. And as you shared with us uh, in this conversation, the challenges that you faced uh, in your physical being as a young person, have you, uh, there has to be some people out there who have said what I'm saying to you right now, like run, Steve, run. Yeah, I mean, honestly, (laughs) I mean, Okay, honestly, when I was He's running. No, when I, run. when I when I when I ran for city council in American Fork and um it was at the time I was kinda talking with Katie and there was gonna be a little people event in in October and um I remember it was in the middle of the campaign and I had lost the primary to Judy Price by like seven votes. And because I lost I went and hung out with Katie, and that kind of started me and Katie off. Um, so, 
yeah, I mean, I like I like politics. I love all that. What I've learned is our shop is an amazing platform um, for causes I care about, and I cannot be voted out of office here. And so I so I tend to um, support a lot of causes that I care about, but I do it behind the scenes, and I, I hear and, you. I, and I can also do it vocally through the shop and just anybody that may listen sure. and maybe wouldn't. Um, and I, I guess never say never, but at the moment I really love being in the background and, and you know, I like being that. And I like, um, I, I like the fact that I can do what I do. I, I don't know. I, I like that. The mayor of the shop. <laughs> mayor. Of yeah, the exactly. Shop. Exactly. <laughs> do, do, do. <laughs> yeah. That's my world. Should we do the bonus questions? Sure. Have I bored you enough? No, th- all this was great. A lot of the stuff I didn't know about you. And we've known each other 12 years? No. <laughs> yes, yeah, when the show was on. Yeah. yeah, probably 12. Yeah, because I came up to the shop because of the show. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, what does creativity mean to you? Uh, you should know these questions, bro. I know I should know them. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I think everybody is creative, and it just—I think that I think what creative creativity means to me is just—I um, suck at it, but like the chocolates and the different things. But I think we all have things that we are creative about, and I am—you know—I think that everybody has that. For me, I think it's me just shooting the bull with people and talking <laughs> and that's my that's my creativity is See, just you know talking with people i don't have that you know you can walk up to anybody and talk to them and you'll have 20 30 minute conversations me, it's because everybody's pretty amazing like me after a couple minutes i'm like i have <laughs> i have nowhere to go with i can't figure out anywhere to go with this honestly he, I, I have noticed that when we do the podcast I'm sick of the bullshit, like canned answers. And so a lot of times I try to throw people off of their game because every, and just from the TV show, everybody asks you the, all the fluffy, puffy shit. And, and I, I like to ask them the lows because I want to catch them off guard. But I think that the lows are just as important as the highs. And I like to hear uncanned responses. And that's why I love that you're part of this because you'll, ask those questions yeah i do but and i think everybody can have creativity too but to me that's just you know everybody whatever their talents are that's what creativity is awesome who's your favorite muppet and why i didn't you know i think i started to love sam the eagle mostly because he's a snarky cynical asshole (laughs) and i really think he's hilarious so that's probably my favorite He's up there for me. He's just he's just sarcastic, and that's what I really love. But he's dumb as rocks too, <laughs> so maybe that I like well, that too. The, he's basically a politician, so it's yeah, he like is. All, it's all he's face. totally a yeah. politician. And I think we talked about this a little bit when we were off off the air from uh, Josh Shipley. We talked about this a little bit to fill that time till he came back. Um, who would play you in a movie? And I think I had no clue, um, but I do. I do like Warwick, like I like his his humor, 
I, I love like Ricky Gervais and all those guys. Like I love that kind of humor. Seth McFarlane. Um, yeah, maybe Warwick or somebody like him. He's pretty cool. Yeah, I like Warwick. And he's a nice guy too. I I don't know if you knew this, Terry, but um, when it, he was here for Comic Con, Warwick came to the shop and got a tour. Oh, with really? His family. Yeah, it was. That's cool. You can do a lot with chocolate, Terry. That's what I'm saying. A lot of people like chocolate. Hey, you got me here. Just, I, just I, I came for you beautiful human beings. We're changing the world one chocolate at a time. It's, I love it. I love it. You are. Well, That's and I was do. thinking and if I could just say this and interrupt the uh, these awesome classic questions. But, you know, when you were talking about uh, COVID and, um, you know, what happens when we get back or when things normalize a little bit. And I, I, I wanted to say that um, I love chocolate and a piece of chocolate has never been more important to me than it is now because the context <laughs> of a single piece of chocolate has changed in 360 degrees around that piece of chocolate. And so um, I wanted to say that in support of, of your mission as a human being because I know that that change is happening for everyone. We're still terrified and a lot of people are still frozen in in this time but we're changing i think and i really hope that we are changing in beautiful ways that will make every single piece of chocolate that you share with people exponentially more important than it's ever been before for sure i'm good with that <laughs> that's a good that's a good goal Love it. Back to the questions, Dill. No, those are the bonus questions. That's how we wrap it up. That was it? I thought there was more. No, we're done, man. That's it. No. Who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> That's it. That's all we got. Well, You've heard um, my whole life. Thanks for being a guest, man. It was, you know, I know you thanks said this a couple of you. times. <laughs> you didn't bore us. It was, as you said... And, and I got to turn it back on you because you have said several times in our conversation about how everybody has a story and you are fascinated by everybody's stories. You know, Ted Wilson appreciating the garbage man. And, you know, we've known each other for a while. And uh, I knew you had a TV show. And... Uh, I didn't know a lot of your backstory. And so this time, this episode was really great. I mean, I, like I say, I've always admired your spirit so very much. And, and I understand more where the building blocks of that spirit come from. Yeah, my parents gave up. Well, and I <laughs> They're love like, that Steve's the lost cause. I love that you, because this is something that's always been important to me is you're, you name check everybody. You remember, uh, you, you know, where influences came from 
and uh, you know the Wilsons and the Losies and uh, all the people that have influenced you and uh, and you keep the spirit uh, with you in a way that is really cool and and uh, thanks for passing it along to everybody else it's super important and beautiful and um, I'm certainly grateful for your presence and your influence in my life. And I can think of a few times when I've had some hard moments and we've gone to get some dinner and, and more than any like specific, you know, piece of advice or anything like that. It's just, just being around your, your, uh, gentle, uh, life force that has been really great, man. Thank you. I th I thought as you were saying that just I mean Paulo Coelho the reason I love yeah. him okay the alchemist um, yeah. when you look at all these successful people and um, like Steve Jobs all of these anybody you name it well, um, they don't get to success just you know magically and um, some of them never realize how amazing their lives were but when we go through all the shit that we've gone through and all the different steps like wearing a stupid body cast like wearing all these different things i mean Shit. those little check marks when you look back yeah. they really are what make us all pretty incredible and we all have those stories and i think it's just trying to recognize you know what made us who we are and um and where we are right now doesn't mean this is where we have to remain like we're always growing and we you know you're always changing and um just always seeing that I, I think our history has value of who we are. So very Sorry, well said. Dylan. No, that's I'll keep talking unless you I, shut me let's up. Let's just keep talking. Hey, Joe Rogan does like three hours. I don't know why we got to oh stop. My gosh. Hey, Dylan, can I do a couple of plugs? Yeah. Plug on. Um, you got a new, you're part of a new podcast. I'm part of a new podcast. I'm super excited. Uh, the podcast is called Sensei Said So. That's S-E-N-S-E-I. Uh, Sensei Said So podcast show, and uh, it's my friends Vio Sensei, Vince Music, uh, Shadow Nation, uh, Zach Ivy. Those guys are all really incredibly talented hip-hop guys who are also very bright, insightful dudes, and uh, I'm, I'm fortunate to be with them. Uh, shout out to my good friend Brandon Isbell, who welcomed me into that family we're gonna do our third episode together tomorrow night nice. and uh yeah we're it's it's an interesting experience for me coming from television and coming from a very sort of um varnished pg kind of environment to to talk really honestly and candidly about some hard issues and I'm grateful for it. It's it's really cool. Um, I'm getting ready to do uh, a little bit of recording of my own. And uh, the yeah, so so the Sensei Said So show is a podcast, and it's on all of the major podcast platforms. And uh, I haven't really launched it on social media, but go check out TerryBurden.com. Uh, the website is live. And uh, I've still got some work to do on it, but it's there, and I'm I'm going to be adding to it with uh, content, uh, past, present, and future. 
and uh, it, you know it's kind of funny during COVID I'm I'm kind of getting going, and I guess maybe it's you know there's there's there are things that we are losing during this time that may never come back, and in that sense of the present moment and the next moment that we call the future being so incredibly beautiful and important has kind of shaken me out of my torpor of um, not being as engaged and productive as I should be. So uh, yeah, so I'm stoked to, uh, to have a website and uh, more content coming. So stay tuned and you know hopefully one of these days I'll even come to a live performance near you. I played some music last night with my buddies and so uh, yeah, I'm grateful for this life and grateful to be here with you guys. Thank you, Dylan, so much. No problem. Stevie no, thanks, Rock, sir. dude. Uh, and you're also on a, a buddy of ours uh, podcast, uh, Andy Gold. Yes, and I did. I guested on Junkie Land with the brilliant Andy Gold, who is uh, one of the funniest humans that I have had the pleasure of knowing personally. And uh, we discussed my alcoholism i am uh sober and happily so and uh andy is an old junkie a former junkie is talking to people about their uh, journey and their experience with substances and uh so yeah i'm not sure i think andy likewise is on all of the podcast platforms and he's got a, a bunch of episodes out and uh, he's he's really a good interviewer. You know, he's a funny man, but he's a he's got a huge heart and he's really smart. And so he asks good questions and uh, he gave me my first opportunity to talk about my journey uh, with alcohol. And, and it has renewed my reflection on uh, what it has cost me over the years and also the beauty of. Uh, being 144 days sober today and, and thank you thank you and ready to be more present and and do more stuff uh, each and every day because I'm not fighting uh, you know hamstringing myself by by being uh, overly involved with that particular substance it's so present in our society but uh, I had to I had to change my life, and uh, Andy asked me all about it, and uh, and he's pretty funny. So uh, go check out Junkie Land. And you recorded and, uh, that in the park, right? He's recording we did. We recorded it in the <laughs> park where Andy used to buy his drugs. And, uh, yeah, you know, he's... I he's, love that he added that element in the show. He's, <laughs> he is really one of the most unsentimental people, and oh. I say that in a beautiful <laughs> way. But uh, yeah, it, it, it was um, it was quite an experience. And, and uh, I had actually talked with Andy about uh, about my journey for a couple of years, even back to a time when I was going through some really hard experiences in my life with loss and was using alcohol in a really uh, self detrimental way. Andy was really there. And like I say, I can't say enough about uh, a guy who puts off a, you know, kind of a hard boiled exterior, but he's got a beautiful soul and he's going to kill me for saying this, but 
he really is a beautiful human being and I love him a lot. And, uh, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop saying nice things about you, you jerk. I'm going to cut out that clip and send it to him. <laughs> <laughs> Just that. Oh, I'm going to get any, I'm going to get a call. He's going to be like, you're ruining my reputation. I hope him post his episodes. I can add it on <laughs> of every episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so sweet. But I won't, Andy. I won't. Well, thanks for letting yes. me plug all my stuff. Of course. And uh, yeah, Dylan, you're doing great work. Congratulations to you. Let's let's have a huzzah and a hear here for Dylan Maziotti for uh, creating this podcast and for uh, doing the work to bring people together and and to keep asking questions about creativity and and unearthing and connecting uh, the humanity that you know steve said it perfectly everybody is creative and every endeavor can be creative if you allow yourself that that mindset and you have done amazing work in encouraging dialogue about that and uh i'm grateful to know you my friend well thank you let's keep kicking ass oh yeah definitely totally huzzah huzzah one hundred in the game. Yeah. Goodbye. Toodles. Podcast is done, man. <laughs> <laughs>